Jesus in all things. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus's love. Uh, my name is Amos. I am uh, one of the staff members here at the church. And if you are a guest today, uh, we want to say welcome. Uh, we have some guest information cards located just outside the, uh, the sanctuary doors in the narthex. Uh, so please, if you are a guest, a visitor with us today, uh, go ahead and fill one out and drop it in the basket. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you all. Uh, as many of you know, Pastor Alex uh, continues his sabbatical, so we are happy to welcome Pastor uh, Dieter Paulson to the pulpit on today. Uh, so y'all give him some hearty amens and stuff like that. Uh, we want to remind you uh, that our nursery is now open. Uh, our nursery is open today, So and also... Um, so if you want to take your kids uh, to the nursery uh, years five and under, uh, you are uh, welcome to do that. Also, today after service, village kids and youth groups uh, will meet right after the worship service. Uh, at the Village Church, we believe that giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. Uh, so you may give to the vision and mission of the Village Church by using uh, the link on our website, which is www.intothevillage.net forward slash give by mailing a check to our physical address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or if you're here live and in color, you can drop off uh, your tithe or gift um, in the back of the sanctuary where there's an offering plate. Also, we continue our times of corporate prayer on Wednesdays. A Zoom link and reminders will go out via Flock Note on Tuesdays. 
And based on some survey feedback that we received from the congregation, uh, we're going to try a couple of different times for corporate prayer going forward. Uh, So this Wednesday, as well as the third Wednesday of this month, which is September 15th, uh, the prayer time will be at 6 p.m., both in person and on Zoom. And on the second and fourth uh, Wednesdays of this month, which is uh, September 8th and also uh, September 22nd, our prayer time will be at 8 p.m. and it will be via Zoom only. And this is an attempt to include more people in our prayer time who could not uh, make it to our regular uh, 7 p.m. prayer time. So Robert Blevins, a friend of the Village Church, will lead three training sessions on service and mercy ministry. And this this training is open to anyone who is interested. And the first session, uh, which will be on mercy ministry, will be today. August 29th at 6 p.m. here at the Village Church. Uh, So please uh, tell a deacon or um, you can come see me uh, if you're interested and we can get a so so we can kind of get a rough count of who will be with us this evening. And last but not least, if you're interested in learning more about the Village Church, we encourage you to sign up for our upcoming Enter the Village class. Uh, We have a sheet um, out in the narthex or you can email the uh, the church office, uh, which would be uh, Cynthia at um, EnterTheVillage.net. Again, that's Cynthia at EnterTheVillage.net. The class begins September 26th at 9.15 a.m. and will meet in the annex. All right, those are your announcements. As always, please govern yourselves accordingly. Um, I left my bulletin down there. Could you grab it for me? Hey, thank you so much. Oh, that's all I have to do. So I'm going to take my seat, and we'll see y'all later. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Spirit brought this verse to me this morning on the way to church, but I also thought about, um, I love how uh, scripture confirms itself and how the Lord repeats things. And Joshua 23, 11 says, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. And there's you know, also in Deuteronomy, Moses writes that same thing, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I believe things are repeated in the word because we have spiritual amnesia. We forget and we need the reminders or I need the reminders. So let's take a few moments before we start this song to just think about that. Loving the Lord, our God, with all of our soul and all our mind, all our strength. What does that mean? Think about how he's blessed you 
he provides for your needs according to his riches and glory. And how his love for us has nothing to do with how we love him, how we look, how great we think we are, how much we come to church and we're on time. His love for us has nothing to do with that. His love for us is just unconditional. And also think about how we created to love him, we are created to worship him. So let's just take a few moments to meditate before we begin this song.
Lord today. Please stand for our call to worship. That is why we are here this morning. To tell the Lord we love him. And to encourage one another to remember to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, your mind, your strength, all of all of you. That's what that verse is about. We need to encourage one I'm using the corded one this morning. You know how you you know that it's coming. I saw the light on the thing. And I thought, oh, I'll get through the service. Mm, not so much. That's okay. Our call to worship this morning is from the song, Come Christians Join to Sing. Please join with me where it notes, congregation. Come Christians join to sing. Alleluia. Amen. Loud praise to Christ we bring. Alleluia. Amen. Let all with heart and voice before his throne rejoice. Praise is his gracious choice. Alleluia. Amen. 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 This is a clapping song. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. A little mini workout. Jesus, your name be lifted high.
Thank you. Now's the time when we sit and reflect on our week, um, on our sins of omission and sins of commission that we might have just violated our Lord. If there's no other reason to lift his name on high, this is one time it makes you focus on how great our God really is, how he loves us, how he sees past our faults and sees our need for more grace. So we're going to take this time to focus on the scripture, the uh, confession of our sins. And this isn't the, uh, the, the verse we're going to use is 1 John 1.8. If we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Let's focus on that as we spend some time in meditation on how great our God really is. Let's begin. God always does for us, even when we fall into sin. He comes and bails us out as an unbelievable bell out plan He has for us through His grace and His mercy. Um, so we have a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be excited about, you know, because we have hope. And without His hope, without the forgiveness of sin, we're lost. So thankful today, we, we're not lost. We have a Savior, a Redeemer. And this verse is going to really clarify or open our eyes to how great our God really is. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
okay if you don't believe it right now, but it's true. I will remain confident in this. I will see the provides for our needs according to his riches and glory. I will remain confident in this. I will see the Scripture passage is taken from Matthew 23, verses 1 through 36. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but not practice, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. And lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves do are not willing to move them with their fingers. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their. Uh, I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Phylacteries, broad and their fringes long, and they love the practice. To, they love the practice of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces, being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, 
for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his gift. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it, And by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells on it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of of the righteous, saying, if you had correction, if, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part in them with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus, you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents. You brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This ends the reading of the passage.
join with me in time of prayer now before Dieter comes with the word. Father in heaven, some of our hearts are heavy today. Some are concerned. We see many things going on in our own lives and the world around us. Father, we pray for the New Orleans area, the surrounding with the hurricane coming. I just pray that you would protect uh, life and property, protect your people. Uh, by your grace, uh, save many through this and use your church and your people to be instruments of your mercy and grace in the aftermath of the hurricane. Uh, Father, uh, we grieve for the loss of life in Afghanistan. We pray for that situation, Father. You would uh, provide rescue for those who need to leave, provide safety for our fellow believers there who are under much persecution, much fear. Uh, we've sung this morning, Whom Shall We Fear? Uh, help them to realize that you are in control, Father, even though they can't do much in their situation. I just pray for our brothers and sisters there, and just pray for wisdom as that situation uh, works out this week. Uh, Father, pray for those who are grieving over loss, grieving over uh, potential loss of family and loved ones, illness, sickness, um, healing over uh, injuries. All these things, Father, we commit to you. Father, I do pray for uh, Alex as he's on sabbatical and his family to encourage them particularly today. Uh, guide them in this time. Father, I pray for those here. We know that uh, are affected by the COVID virus, for those who are looking for employment, for those who need work. I just pray that you provide in so many ways. You provide for all of our needs. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, we hold that promise true, Father. Help us to believe that more and more each day. And Father, as we come to hear your word now, encourage us for the week ahead that we might indeed be salt and light where you've placed us. Uh, give us the words we need for this week. Uh, be with Brother Dieter. Uh, encourage him as he brings your word to us. Pray for that ministry in Scottsboro that he's uh, starting out there. I pray that you would provide uh, all that they need for that ministry. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the encouragement we can have of being with each other, to encourage each other, to hear your word, to fellowship, to sing praises to you. For you indeed are worthy of all of our praise. Uh, we look forward to hearing from your word now by your spirit. Work in our hearts and our minds. We pray in Christ's name with thanksgiving. Amen. Welcome, Dieter. Good to be with you all today. Glad to know my microphone's working. And I'm thankful for my brother reading that passage because that's a long one. And uh, that leaves me with the task of preaching the message and and uh, so grateful for opportunity to be here today. It's so so good to worship with fellow believers, isn't it? Praise God. So uh, I was assigned to this passage, and uh, at first I wanted to say, well, thanks a lot, Alex. This is a tough one. He <laughs> dropped a, a big one on me here. and uh, But honestly, I've just had a lot of joy in preparing this message, and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Father, we just ask now that you would be our teacher, that you would speak through this weak messenger, Lord. You know, uh, Lord, my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Lord, and the weaknesses of, of who I am, and, and uh, that, Lord, I, I do want to just love you with all that I am, and uh, we do remain confident 
in this, God, that we will see the goodness of the Lord even now in this time, in this message. We ask that your word would go forth and not return void, but accomplish all that you have purpose for. We ask all this now in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Have you ever heard somebody say, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites? Now, that's a blanket statement. It's, it's an overgeneralization, of course, of church people that at its heart is judgmental towards Christians. C.S. Lewis said, humans are very seldom either totally sincere or totally hypocritical. Their moods change, their motives are mixed, and they are often themselves quite mistaken as to what their motives are. So what is it then that these people are talking about who say the church is full of hypocrites? I think they have experienced people who are broken and messed up, who are sinful people that they know maybe some junk in their lives, who they know who get cleaned up on Sundays and go to church and act, though, like nothing's wrong with them, and then they're different people through the week. You know, I actually, I call these people Sunday saints and Monday ain'ts. You ever heard that? Unfortunately, it's a true assessment of those who are, of some who are in the church. They're pretenders, they're fakers. To the ancient Greeks, somebody who was a hypocrite was an actor. It was somebody who actually made you believe they were one thing, but they really weren't. And so we would say they're two-faced, right? And so hypocrites are fakers, people who don't practice what they preach. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. The reality is that in the church, there are followers of Jesus and there are fakers. And Jesus told us this. He told us this would be a reality. So we're always going to have hypocrites among us. And I don't like this, this, this concept that all Christians are hypocrites. I, I don't like that because I, I don't think we're being fake. We aren't all together. We aren't put together. We're broken people who have a perfect Savior who we come together to worship and who brings us together in union with him and with one another. So in our text this morning, Jesus addresses these types in the hearing of the crowds who came to hear him and, his, and even his own disciples were with him. And he wants to warn his followers to watch out that they aren't like the fakers and to warn the fakers that they are remaining as they are, staying in their fake religion. They stand in judgment. You know, Jesus didn't just come to proclaim salvation. It's very important that salvation is actually from something, salvation from judgment. So Jesus actually came, just like the prophets of old, prophesying salvation and judgment. Jesus is doing the same thing. And so the warnings today are to his followers who he's saving, as well as to the fakers who he's saying, you are condemned. You're remaining in your sins unless you turn, unless you repent, unless you believe. And so first I want to uh, take us through a warning to his followers, verses 1 through 12. Be not like the scribes and Pharisees. So Jesus, is, he's had the Pharisees among them. He's been addressing them. He's been speaking in parables, which speaking in parables, there's a way in which he spoke in parables to demonstrate this message of judgment and salvation. It was to blind the eyes of those who thought they could see, the Pharisees. They thought they had perfect vision spiritually and the way to salvation. And what Jesus was saying, nope, 
These parables are meant to blind their eyes so that they don't see. But it's, it's also, these parables were meant to open the eyes of those who were blind, who could not see. And Jesus also actually literally opened the eyes of the blind to demonstrate this as well. So Jesus, though, is focusing on scribes and Pharisees who've been challenging him, seeking to trap him. I mean, he, this is very close to the week of his passion where Jesus would go and die upon the cross. So Jesus is speaking very boldly now with incredible authority, and he is making the clear distinction. There are followers of me, and then there are fakers. And so he's telling his people, you've observed and sought to measure yourselves by watching the lives of these religious leaders. Don't follow them or their system is what he's telling them. Why? Because there's incredible inconsistency here. There's not consistent life and practice and belief with true religion. Their religion is man-made. It's a worldly religion. You know, you think of all the world religions and how it's all these efforts to get to God. That's man-made religion. That is faking it. You can't get there on your own. So Jesus is saying, don't follow this way. This is, this is a way of self-righteousness that leads to death and leads to judgment. So he shows them two things that demonstrate the scribes and Pharisees' inconsistencies. The first is this. They don't practice what they preach. That's where, that's where it comes from. It comes from Jesus. What do they preach? Well, he tells us in this passage that they sit on Moses' seat in the synagogue. And so what does that mean? That means actually there was a special seat that the, the, the ruler of the synagogue would sit in or the man who would read from the scroll of the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, as the Jews call it. And so the man sitting in that seat would read from the Torah and expound upon the, 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 the word of Moses and, and seek to ap- apply this and seek to bring application. And, and so this is good. Jesus even acknowledged this. He said, so do and observe what they tell you when they sit in the seat of Moses. But the problem is, and this is a huge but, they preach, but they do not practice. They're not practicing what they're preaching from the book of Moses, or the books of Moses. They're preaching the law, which is given by God for loving him and loving neighbor, and to actually lead us to a place of going, God, I can't do this. I, I try to keep your laws, and I break every one of them that I try. But God, but these guys, they don't themselves follow the law of Moses. What do they follow? They've come up with another 613, thereabouts, of laws that they've made up from the Ten Commandments. And you're thinking to yourself, the Ten Commandments are hard enough. Why would you do that? That's the tradition of man. That's man-made religion. When you say, well, the Word of God isn't enough, we've got to add to it. Jesus plus something else. And that should always raise up red flags for us, right? So what do they do? Jesus said they tie up heavy burdens so hard to bear, lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to move them with a finger. You hear that? So basically they're preaching the law on that it must be kept to a T. That's a heavy burden, right? Because like I, like I just said, we're lawbreakers. We, 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 we're not good at keeping the law. We're good at breaking it because of our sin. But see, it's not just hard to bear to tell somebody you've got to follow the law perfectly to a T. 
It's impossible. When they themselves aren't willing to do the same and don't even close, come close, as even touching these with their finger, that, man, what hypocrisy. So what is their practice? Their practice is let's follow our tradition, our 613 laws, adding to the law of Moses, seeing this as primary over the law. So they miss the spirit of the law. It's not about justifying us by our actions and and following it to a T. It's to guide us in our faith, working itself out in love of God and neighbor. That's what the law points to. So there's inconsistency in that they practice they don't practice what they what they preach. And secondly, they do to demonstrate their inconsistency is they do what they do for themselves. Jesus actually says they actually do what they are doing to be seen by others. See, what is that doing? That makes them feel better about themselves. And so he said, they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. You see, Moses, the Holy Spirit told Moses that the people were to bind the law to their foreheads and forearms so that their minds and actions would always be guided by the law. And so what do these guys do? They actually made little boxes to wear on their heads and their arms. As, as crazy as that, as that sounds, they did it. And they'd make these big old boxes, big old boxes, lots of fringes and gaudy, gaudy fringes all over. And so they actually took this literally and they would put in these little boxes or big boxes for the Pharisees, copies of the law. Like really wear it on your head and wear it on your arm. No, it doesn't mean that. They missed it. They, they thought they were showing how serious they were about the law of God, but they were not. This was about as silly as having a huge Bible that you carry around everywhere to demonstrate you're a serious student of the Word. The heart problem was they did this to stand out in the crowd, to be seen by others as religious, and not as just as religious, but the most religious. They wanted the superlative of the day. Oh, you're the most religious people. You are the most godly. Well, they, Jesus actually goes on. He said, they love the place of honor at feasts. See, I think Jesus knows not just what he's witnessed. He's talking about their hearts now. They love. He's saying they love the place of honor at feasts where they're put in, in, in a high place. They love the best seats in the synagogue. Almost set up in the front to look special and, 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 and be seen by others. They love the greetings in the marketplaces and being called by rabbi, uh, being called by the name of rabbi, teacher. They loved all this attention. He tells us more of their hearts and how they wanted to be seen by others as he re- reveals all these things. They loved the attention that their self-righteousness attained for them. So church, he's saying, don't be like that. Don't love what they love. Don't practice what you've not preached. Practice what you've preached. Don't do what you do for yourself, to be seen by others, to boost your own pride. You know, these these Pharisees were big fish in a small pond, and they loved it. They loved being the big fish, getting all this attention. They, They felt incredibly entitled to their position and looked down on others who weren't in their position. Isn't it the prayer of the Pharisee, thank God I'm not a woman or a tax collector? Horrible, horrible pride and self-righteousness. 
That's just it. That self-righteousness is grounded in pride. Pride. What's the middle letter in the word pride? It's I. It's putting yourself first. And it just breeds more pride as it's self-deceiving in regards to truth. Have you ever heard of you believe a lie long enough it becomes true to you? Yeah. Only because of sin and its corruption of our mind, will, will and emotions, can we deceive ourselves and come up with versions of the truth. There's no such thing as versions of the truth, right? There's only one truth. Christ came to bear witness to the truth, and the truth is startling. Listen to this passage. John 18, 36 through 38, Jesus told Pontius Pilate, My kingdom isn't of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, It's funny, he doesn't say, Yeah, sure. He says, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate says to him, what is truth? Did you hear that? Pilate acknowledges that sinful man on his own doesn't know what truth is. To him, it is relative to what he thinks it is. It's subjective. What's your version of it? Well, Well, Jesus is saying, no, there's one truth. And I came, I was born, I came to bear witness to this truth. In that same passage, Jesus is saying, my kingdom, who says, who speaks about my kingdom? The king. He's a king who has a kingdom. It's not a kingdom like any other. It's not of this world, nor from it. It's a spiritual kingdom. And he's come to bear witness to the truth, revealing he is the greater Moses. So he is a prophet unlike any other, as his purpose is to come into the world and be born to demonstrate to the world in darkness what the light of truth is. And what is the truth that Jesus is bearing witness to himself. He is the Messiah. He is the one promised from Genesis 3, 15, who would come and crush the head of the serpent. He does more than serve as king and a prophet, though, as as he hints to this when he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He is the priest who's come to mediate between God and man, to speak and to make sacrifice of himself so that He brings us to the truth, and we are then of the truth. Born of God, as John says. And Jesus would do this ultimately through his own sacrificing of himself, where he is the Lamb of God, once for all sacrifice for sins on behalf of his people. His name would be Jesus, the angel told Joseph, because he will save his people from their sins. He tells the crowd and his disciples principles of the way, how his kingdom people are to live. Not just don't be like the Pharisees. He actually gives them some positives here. He says, if you are in the way, you are in the way of the kingdom and and, and part of my kingdom. He says, you have one teacher and are all brothers. So don't be called rabbi. Love that. He's saying, listen to me, follow me, not the Pharisees. I'm your teacher, and now you are brothers. You're united with me, and you're united with each other. There is level ground at the foot of the cross, amen? Amen. So we bow to him and not to, to any other, and we do so 
bowing before him along with our brothers and sisters that also call him Lord. You have one father who is in heaven, so don't call someone your father as the religious leaders do. He's saying the Pharisees will tell you one thing, but I tell you that you have one father in heaven worthy of that title. And it's by the Holy Spirit that we say, Abba, Father, that we cry out to him and say, Abba, Father, you are our God and Father. See, the the Jews didn't like saying God was Father because guess what that means? That you're in a relationship with him. And that's why they hated when Jesus talked like that because he was saying, I'm the Messiah, and he is my Father, and we're in an intimate relationship. And they were going, oh, you can't do that. Jesus is saying, no. He is my father and he is your father, follower of Christ. So you have one instructor, the Christ, Jesus said. So don't be called instructors as the religious leaders do. He's saying here, I am the Messiah, the Christ of God. He's affirming who he really is. He's the promised one who is to come. He also affirmed this in his high priestly prayer of John 17. He has come to be their teacher, their witness to truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He says to them next this powerful paradox. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. He says the the Pharisees have it upside down, y'all. The Pharisees have it all upside down. Reality is really like this in my kingdom. To be the greatest, you must be a servant. The Pharisees in their world sought to be the greatest and wouldn't serve anyone except maybe a Pharisee of greater status than them. Their pride and self-righteousness stands opposed to the king and the ethics and economy of his kingdom, the way of his kingdom. Jesus is saying that the true spirituality is that exaltation of self will result in humiliation and the humiliation of self will result in exaltation. And really... What Jesus is saying is, I am the one who will humble the exalted, and I will exalt the humble. For we see in Matthew's gospel in chapter 7, Jesus is the judge on that great day, who either says to people, depart from me, I never knew you. To those who never heard his voice, who didn't follow him, who were not his sheep. Or, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your your master. You see, we must be careful, followers of Christ. We must be careful because our own hearts can fall into the ways of the fakers. We can fall into the traps of the fakers. Listen to this. Paul Powell once observed, pride is so subtle that if we're not careful, we'll be proud of our humility. When this happens, our goodness becomes badness. Our virtues become vices. We can easily become like the Sunday school teacher who said, having told the story of the Pharisee and the publican, said, children, let's bow our heads and thank God we're not like the Pharisee. Got to be careful, folks. Second point, warnings to fakers, to the fakers. Judgment is upon you for your self-righteousness. Verses 13 to 36. The theologian John Calvin of the Reformation era says, I call it not humility so long as we think there's any good remaining in us. Those who have joined together two things, to think humbly of of ourselves before God and yet hold our own righteousness in some estimation, 
have a pernicious hypocrisy. You hear that? What he's basically saying is those who think humbly of themselves before God but still think they have a righteousness of their own. This is a dangerous hypocrisy. So as we go forward, we've got to be careful because some of these Pharisees, I think, truly thought, you know, I'm humbling myself before God. I would even say our brother Paul, who when he was Saul of Tarsus and as a Pharisee, he sought to be humble before God, but he still held to his own righteousness because he was zealous to do all that the Pharisees had, had put in their traditions to do. So in this section of the passage, Jesus gives seven woes. And when we see a woe, we got to say woe. We got to stop and we got to think about this. The woes were mentioned by the prophets, by, by inspiration, as, a, as pronouncements of judgment on nations, on peoples, even on God's own people when they had rebelled. And they are pronouncements of judgment. Here the king, the prophet, the priest, our Lord Jesus, is actually giving seven woes. And what does that number seven ref- reflect? Completion, perfection. And, and, and this should have caused them to shake in their boots, to receive seven woes. And he's basically putting out there to them, he's warning them because he sees their hearts. He's showing that he sees their outward actions, and their hearts in these seven woes. And I want us to, as we look at these, I want us to be thinking too, who, how can I do that? How can I slip into that? How can I fall into that trap? Because it's very easy to do it. Even though we're not necessarily fakers, we might be followers of Christ, but our flesh and our pride sometimes cause us to gravitate away, right? And we get an amnesia, like Patience has said. <clears throat> we get amnesia, we forget So the Lord Jesus sees their hearts. He sees the pride and self-righteousness, the judgmentalism, the criticism, the deceitfulness of sin. So first of all, the first woe is this woe about leading themselves and others away from the kingdom of heaven. This is a warning. Hey, I'm warning you. Don't be leading people away from the, the kingdom of heaven. Now, these Pharisees, they didn't tell others to follow Christ. They actually saw themselves as as examples to follow. They were a law unto themselves, which actually showed the futility of finding righteousness within ourselves or in our outward actions. John Calvin actually says, The human heart has so many crannies where vanity hides, where pride hides, so many holes where falsehood lurks. It is so decked out with deceiving hypocrisy that it often dupes itself often deceives itself our heart is that way folks all of our hearts not just fakers hearts fakers are blind to see true spiritual reality in the kingdom may god open our eyes to see where we have been blind and not walking in the kingdom reality jesus came to bring us to may we repent also of not leading others to jesus and to his kingdom we might be the only ones that people witness or see where, where Jesus can, shines through us and shows himself through us. 
So may God use us to be his hands and feet and to build his kingdom by making disciples. May we lead ourselves and others constantly back to Jesus and his kingdom. Remember Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. May that be our priority. And second of all, fakers bear fruit, but it is a rotten fruit that's worse than their own. They work hard to make proselytes or disciples, and when they do, they make them twice as much children of hell than they are. Ouch. What is he telling us about Pharisees? Their heritage, spiritual heritage, is they are Satan's offspring. They are children of hell because they are not grounded in trusting in Christ. They trust in themselves and they remain in their sin and are judged for it. So they put all this work and have someone follow them only to corrupt them to do more evil. Once again, doing more external things, works righteousness. I mean, I, I, I pity those who preach works righteousness in some churches who lead people away from the kingdom and lead people to a greater sense of, well, I've got to do it myself. I think that's a dangerous thing that Christ is warning against. May we repent of uh, corrupting others by our ungodly influence and fleshly example. Sometimes we, we learn pe- by people's good examples, but sometimes as parents, I know, we, we demonstrate a bad example. And it's really important for our children to hear us say, hey, I, Daddy was wrong when we did this. Please forgive me. Daddy wants to be like this. Daddy wants to follow Christ. This is wrong. Our kids need to hear that, guys. My son, who's not walking with Jesus, tells me that that's been one of the most impactful things that he's seen in my life. That demonstrates to him that I'm the real deal and that I'm a follower of Jesus. May we repent of being unfruitful and unproductive in the knowledge of Jesus Christ by remaining stagnant in our spiritual life. Oh, folks, we're not meant to stay in the same place. We're meant to ever be moving forward, ever trusting, ever pressing forward as hard as it is, as scary as it it is. We've got to remain confident that we will see the goodness of the Lord. May we pour out ourselves in the lives of others that they might learn from our mistakes and be modeled how to live the Christian life so they would even outshine us in the world and the next. Third, fakers mislead others in what is most important. Jesus calls these guys blind guides. You are blind guides because you're having people swear by the gold instead of the temple, swearing by this versus that. And that whole concept of of what these guys were doing, they, they were foolishly making more important the gifts of God than the giver, who is God. They were esteeming as greater the things uh, that God has blessed us with and not God himself. So they were being foolish. They were being, and they were blind, not seeing the true way. They were misleading others in what's most important. May we repent of making certain things more important than the Lord Jesus and our relationship with him. Maybe we've made more important, maybe as we try to witness to others, hey, come to church with me. 
Come to church with me. As a church planner, I can tell you, people get tired of hearing, come to church. We've got to stop inviting them to church. We've got to invite them first into our lives. We've got to invite them to Jesus, to where they know Jesus. And then say, I'd love for you to come to church with me. You know, we could even make certain things more important, like talking a certain way or behaving a certain way. We can become almost cognitive behavioral Christians where we're just about outward behaviors. You know, just do these things and you'll be a good Christian. That's moralism. We've got to be careful. If you do these bad things, you're a bad Christian. There's good Christian, no bad Christian. We've got to stop. That's, that's not the gospel. We've got to quit making being nice, being tolerant. That's more important than the gospel. The gospel's to be the most important. Jesus is to be most important. And then also making idols. You know, we, well, in the Christian, this, this is us. Our hearts are idol factories, as Calvin says. We're quick to make something else that's good an ultimate thing, as Keller says. We've got to be careful not to do that. Because people are watching. People are watching. And we need to be warned about these things. May we ask God to give us wisdom and discernment that we keep him first in, in all things, keep, keeping Christ preeminent, keeping him supreme above all. Fakers neglect and misunderstand the law. They're neglectful of what's most important in the law to do uh, that which is mo- least important in it. So what I'm trying to say is they, they're tithing spices, Jesus says, down to the very trivial little tiny spices, right? You, you pull out a mustard, some, some mustard seeds in your kitchen, they're tiny. And these guys were tithing those kind of things and abandoning what? Doing justice and, and loving mercy and walking humbly with God. As the prophet says, Micah 6, 8, when God and people are being made less than the trivial actions, that's just missing the mark. And so there's a warning here. Don't neglect the law and misunderstand what it means. So they broke the law by majoring in the minors and not doing what is commanded. Okay, now, what about this phrase, they strain out a gnat and swallow a camel? Well, today is your day to know what that means. And I'm glad to bring the meaning out for you. These guys would, if a little gnat flew in their drink, they would get a little strainer thing and pull out that gnat. Make sure of that. Okay, so they were really about these little things, right? Keep that in mind. They're working on these little things. But they'd swallow a camel. Well, is the camel something people eat over there? No. It's unclean. And you don't swallow a camel. That would not feel good. That would choke you. Jesus is being hyperbolic. He's showing exaggeration here. They, 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 they measure out these little things, making sure a little gnat doesn't get in their, their milk or their tea or coffee or whatever. But boy, they're swallowing camels. They're taking in what's unclean and have not a care that they're choking on. Try, stop being clean in little things and not clean in big things. Stop neglecting the law and misunderstanding it, Pharisees. 
May God help us repent of neglecting the law and disobeying it as God's commands are to be followed. Let's repent of our sins of commission, doing what he said not to do. And let's repent of our sins of omission, not doing what he said to do. Our brother mentioned that earlier. We've got to repent of our neglect of the law and its right application. Let's be sure to let the law be something we seek to understand and be careful to not misunderstand. Fifthly, fakers focus on the externals of religion. I call it fruit pasting. Instead of the root and the shoot, making the fruit. Instead, they kind of put the, the fruit on the, on the outside to make it look like, hey, this is a good tree. That is not what God has called us to do. If we're connected to the good root, our Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the vine and we're the branches, we will bear much fruit, right? Because we are in him. Calvin says, there's nothing which God more hates than when men endeavor to cloak themselves by submitting signs and external appearance for integrity of heart. God hates the, the haughty eyes and the lying tongue and, 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 and deceiving others and trying to even deceive him. Let us repent of fruit pasting to look good, putting on good things on the outside. Hey, I'm going to do these things so people see me and think I'm a good person or a good Christian. Once again... There's that mentality of good Christian, bad Christian. You're, you're riding a roller coaster of moralism. Don't do it. Don't put on fruit. Ask God to bear fruit as you connect with Jesus Christ, as you go deep and you trust in, in, in the one who is our life. Let's make sure our faith is attended by fruit that's our faith working itself out through love. Sixthly, fakers are about appearances but aren't concerned with the heart. Jesus says, you are like whitewashed tombs. You ever driven through a cemetery and you see these huge, like, mausoleums or tombs and you're thinking to yourself, I know I think this way. That's ridiculous. They don't get to enjoy that. What's that for? Our family had a lot of money to bury somebody in a huge mausoleum. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. But Jesus is calling the Pharisees. He said, hey, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. These big, big, beautiful, you know, expensive structures of marble and stone and, and beautiful decorations. So beautiful, but inside, full of dead men's bones. Dust. You want to appear outwardly as clean and, and pristine and having it together. But inside, he says, there's hypocrisy and lawlessness. Youch. And remember, Jesus is saying all these things. He's saying, I see you. I see you. I see your lives like this on the outside. But I see what's on the inside. Because remember, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. See that? But they're oblivious to that, and they don't care. Let us repent of trying so hard to look good to the neglect of our own souls. We've got to care for our souls, guys and gals and kids. I don't, I, I don't know how else to say this, but 
One of the things I've appreciated about having some disciplers in my life is, Peter, you've got to make a priority of caring for your soul, doing soul care, making sure you're digging deep into the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and sinking your roots deep into him and walking with him. I love that. Let's make sure we're not indulging in spiritual pride and sinful acts while trying to look righteous. Our sins will find us out. It's hard to live a double life, guys. And that's Jesus is calling these Pharisees and scribes. He's basically calling out their double life. And it's exhausting to live a double life. I, I've had a, a friend who was found out that he was in moral failure and it was discovered by his wife. And I said, it, it's been probably really hard for you to live a double life. And he goes, man, it's been exhausting. It's so hard. And I'm like, wouldn't it be nice just to shed that and, and confess and repent that and just, okay, here I am. I'm, Lord, I'm broken. I'm just going to live and walk and honor you. And I think that looked refreshing for him too after all his exhausting efforts to live two, two lives and two-faced. Se- seventh, And last, fakers are liars and deceivers and murderous in their hearts and guilty of murdering even the righteous from the beginning of time. This is interesting, guys. Jesus is warning these guys. He's saying, hey, you're liars about honoring the prophets. You guys are the very ones who are murderous toward the prophets. You hate the prophets because they speak against you. Hypocrites don't like truth because the truth exposes who they are. And so these guys have been lying about their honoring prophets and whatnot. He he even calls them serpents, brood of vipers, in the process of being sentenced to hell. I mean, that's, that's scary stuff. But he sees them. He knows who they are. He knows their nature. And he's basically saying, on you, all the judgment from the murder of Abel to Zechariah the priest, all of that will come upon your heads. And this will even happen within this generation. Serious stuff, guys. As followers of Christ, let us repent of aligning ourselves with the devil and his offspring through our lying tongues, our seeking to deceive others, being deceitful about even the little things. It's no such thing as, well, it's just lying a little bit. Lie a little bit, and you're going to lie in much more. If you're faith, unfaithful in little things, you're going to be unfaithful in big things. Don't start there because you're going to end up down here. Let us be faithful to the truth and live to the truth and live in truth, even though it might cost us to do so. And let us remember he knows our deeds and will hold us to an accounting in his sight. The Christian Herald newspaper recounted that a man met with a severe accident was taken to the hospital When the doctor was examining his injuries, he noticed the name of Jesus beautifully tattooed across the man's chest. A nurse standing by said, I wonder if it's deeper than the skin. Folks, our our religion, if it's to be true religion, if it's sincere following Christ and, 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 and how he has commanded us to, it must be deeper than the skin. It must reach the heart. 
So may God help us be followers of Christ who practice what we preach, who walk the talk and do what we do, not to be seen by others, but to do all we do for the glory of God and edification of his people and the salvation of the lost. May we follow his warnings and be diligent to watch out that we follow Christ and not pride and self-righteousness that is so deceptive. And may those who are in them in here this morning who find themselves, hey, I'm not a follower of Christ. Maybe you don't identify as a, a faker, but I promise you, if you're honest, you, you are. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you are a faker. Because you will tell people, well, I'm pretty good. I'm not like Hitler. I've had so many people tell me that. I'm like, that's a terrible standard. Don't use that. You're not good. If you're not like Hitler, you're still pretty bad. You're not good at all. If you find yourself to be a religious faker this morning and not following Christ yet, repent. Turn away from your sin. Repent from yourself. Repent of your self-righteousness. Repent of your pride. And know that you can't justify yourself. No one can. We need Jesus for that. No one has righteousness of their own. Only we have righteousness as he imputes it, as he gives it to us on our account. And may all of us have a religion that's so much farther and deeper than our skin, that goes to our hearts where Christ lives and reigns. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, your word this morning. We pray that you would use it for your glory, for our benefit. We pray that you would afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted this morning, that you would attend to your word, Lord. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. God's people said.
benediction. Now send your hands to receive the benediction. May the Lord of glory, who has come down to give you his salvation, may he give you delight today in him. May he give you his grace and peace to pursue him, to pursue him and his kingdom first, to put away any religious faking, any hypocrisy and lawlessness. And may God help us be authentic and sincere in following him. Go in peace.